Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. Tonight's episode is episode number 200. It's hard to believe that we have had so many episodes and we look forward to many, many more episodes of keeping you informed and answering your questions from a biblical worldview. I'm Nathan Owens and sitting across the desk from me as usual is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who listen to the program. Thank you so much for allowing us to come into your home this evening. You're listening again to That's Truth, and it is not only a one-way means of communication, it is a two-way means of communication. What I mean by that is we look forward to interacting with you. There's a number of ways that you can interact. You can send your questions in via uh, WhatsApp or text message to one two six eight seven eight two one four five four. I'll give that to you again. WhatsApp or text your question to two six eight seven eight two fourteen fifty four. You can call and be put live on the air. The phone line is open and available, waiting your call. And the number to call to be put live on the air is two six eight four six two. 7420. Or you can email your question to crlthatstruth at gmail.com. That's all one word, no space, no apostrophe. C-R-L-T-H-A-T-S-T-R-U-T-H at gmail.com. And the final way you can interact with us is through Facebook Live. For this program, we are live on Facebook. Go to the Radio Lighthouse, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and click on the Facebook Live video feed. And right there on your device, whether your device is large or small, you can, in the comments section, send in your question or your thoughts. Maybe you don't have a question. Maybe you don't have any thoughts about what we're discussing, but you have a suggested topic that you would like us to consider discussing in a future episode of That's Truth. Please send it in, and we would be glad to prayerfully consider it for a future episode. Again, we want this program to be as practical as possible, and the best way to do that is to discuss topics that are close to your heart, things that are concerning to you, things that your family members are worried about. Maybe it's things that you are rejoicing about. No matter what the topic is, we would love to discuss it in a future episode. Tonight's topic is one that I can guarantee 100% affects all of us and will help all of us. It will help you. It's something that you have faced this week, maybe to a small degree, maybe to a large degree. It is that of stress. Pastor, 
what in the world is stress? I tried to get a, um, a definition that is accepted, but what I discovered that the more I tried to investigate how you actually define it, is that there's no settled agreement of how to describe uh, stress. It's like trying to describe love or define love. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as people think. Um, I think most of us know what stress is, but again, to put it in, in specific words becomes difficult. Uh, so what I uh, discovered is that there are several definitions that I would like to um, offer uh, that are there. And then I want to give you one that I think is much more simpler and probably easier to grasp and probably identify with. Uh, one of the most prominent definitions is that that has uh, come out of the Stress Management Society. And they have defined stress in these terms. It says stress is primarily a physical response. It said that when stressed, the body thinks it's under, under attack and switches to what is called a fight-or-flight mode, releasing a complex mix, mix of hormones and chemicals such as adrenaline, cortisol, and not epiphrine, uh, to prepare the body for physical uh, action. This causes a number of reactions uh, when the blood is diverted to the muscles and sometimes shutting off uh, the bodily function. The key word here is that uh, they describe it in terms of uh, a physical response. Uh, but I'm not too sure that that helps me or helps you in, in, in way of thinking how we think of stress. But it's basically a physical response of the body trying to deal with something that is threatening. A second definition is that given by a guy called uh, Hans Seelile. Uh, He's an uh, endocrinologist and uh, a stress researcher. And he says it's a, a nonspecific body response to any demand of the body whether it's cause or result in something pleasant or unpleasant. Notice again the term that is used in there, a response of the body to some demand. And then there's another definition given by the psychological guide which said uh, stress is the physical, mental, and emotional human response. Notice again, response to a particular stimulus uh, and is trying to get the body to adopt or cope um, with something that is challenging. So in every case, it's a a, a matter that is threatening or demanding uh, and the body is responding. In in simple layman terms, I think that uh, this is how I would probably think it could be worded better. In my mind, uh, stress is the feeling of being overwhelmed or being unable to cope with the mental, emotional pressure or physical tension that bears down upon us and make us feel angry, nervous, frustrated, threatened, or exhausted. I think that I think most people can identify with the idea of a feeling of being overwhelmed, uh, etc. But basically, it's the body responding to some challenge or threat or some demand and producing physiological effects and psychological effects in the body. But the whole idea is, is that you feel you're crushed. You feel that you're so uh, boxed in that there's no way out. Uh, the biblical term, by, by, by the way, the two Greek uh, word, two words for uh, this concept of, of stress in the, in the Hebrew, the word is masog, and it means uh, distress. It means to be in straits, or it means to be stressed out. But the whole idea there is that uh, you're at a point where you're at your wit's end and you don't seem to have a solution, and you've resigned to the fact that, you know, there's nothing I can do, and you're faced with this kind of danger. The Greek word is klepsis, and it comes from the word klebro, which means to crush, uh, to hem in, to press together, to squash. It actually comes from another word, thalio, which means to break. So the whole idea that you're so overwhelmed and so crushed and so pressed in 
uh, and so hemmed in, you really don't have a solution to your problem. So I think that, that those uh, two Hebrew, that Hebrew word and that Greek word, along with a simple other definition about being overwhelmed, I think is a proper word that more adequately express it in layman terms uh, what we understand uh, by stress. I'm going to put you in the hot seat here. Sure. Is there a difference between anxiety and stress? Yeah, anxiety normally has to do with the future. Okay. Right? It's always looking to the future. Stress is something different. You're dealing with the present. You're dealing with some heavy, something that's really heavy upon you, not necessarily reflecting. However, anxiety comes into stress, but it's more being worried about future than dealing with the present situation you're faced with. That's why they make a subtle distinction between stress and anxiety. Is there anyone that's excused from stress? Like if I become a Christian, do I not have to worry about stress anymore? I think you have to go to this life not to have stress. <laughs> I think most of us have been stressed out for the last three years with the COVID. I think it really puts some demands upon us. Um, I mean, things that was that didn't bother us before created a lot of irritation. Like, for example, wearing a mask or trying to wear glasses, and when you're mm-hmm. breathing, it clouding your glasses. Um, breathing in the hot air, yeah. um, even the very smell of the, the air, breathing in and bringing it up through a mask, really, I think that. And then... Uh, having to wash your hands every time you go in and sometimes you miss it and you're ordered to go back out and mm-hmm. wash your hands. Simple things like that that, that would not have... A, it, it, so everybody's been under stress for a period of time. I don't think that uh, it's possible to live in this life without having some some form of stress. As a matter of fact, if you go through the Scriptures, Nathan, you'll find that people like Job, um, with all this suffering, you read his complaints and what he said uh, it's very, very clear that he was a man under heavy stress. David, when he was um, running away from Saul, many times you read the, the Psalms and you read the book of First Samuel and Second Samuel, and it would say that David was distressed. Yeah. That's the key word that is there. Moses uh, was distressed again when you find that he was leading two, two million refugees to go into the promised land. Read the account in, in, in Numbers, Moses was distressed when he was faced with different situations. Esther had the weight of the entire nation upon herself. Would the nation survive or not survive? Should she go into the king and lose her head, or should she uh, assume that he's going to put out a scepter and accept her? You talk about stress. That, that is real, real stress. And, of course, Elijah, um, with the um, warning of Jezebel, I'll have your, your head off by ne- mid, what, next day, and he runs, and then he goes to the book Cherith. The Lord brings him water, and then the book dries up. That is stress. And Paul says he was pressed out beyond measure. And then he adds, I have so much things to do, and then the care of the churches. So uh, there's no question that uh, biblical characters, um, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, um, were people under stress. And the word that Paul used even in, in Corinthians, pressed out of measure, uh, that is a, a word that uh, has the idea of stress within it as well. So it's, it's something very common, and uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and uh, among Christians today, certainly, uh, we all face stress at some point in time. You were mentioning the, the stress that COVID has caused, or caused in our lives and even the frustration of like having to wear masks in the past and all. And 
as I was sitting in church the other evening uh, after the mask mandate was lifted, I was amazed how easy it was to stay focused. When you're breathing in your warm air all the time, yeah. I, I'm just going to be honest, I'm human, I got sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, having the mask off, yeah. I, it was so much easier for me to stay focused on what you were saying. So yeah. I say that as a word of encouragement to all the pastors out there as the yeah. mask mandate is being lifted. The um, I'm assuming that your audience, that your congregation will be more attentive. <laughs> you know, I never thought about that, but again, it gives you an idea of how really people are affected by this whole thing. And I think it's a real relief yeah. that we don't necessarily have to use the mass if we don't want to. I think that's a, a real relief for us. What are some of the basic types of stress? I know it's been challenging to even define stress. I don't know if it's possible to quantify or qualify stress. Yeah, the, uh, the research has identified uh, three basic forms of stress. There's one called acute stress. There's one called episodic stress. And there's one called chronic stress. And as you, as you see the order, acute episodic and then uh, chronic you get the idea it's increasing it's getting worse it's getting worse so there are three basic forms of stress um, when you talk about acute stress uh, it re- results when the body faces something new or challenging or threatening uh, and it puts it in that mode of stress for example um, when you have an assignment that is due uh, and you've got a date that is fixed and it's coming up to the date uh, you get stress, but that doesn't last indefinitely. It's something that happens, and then as soon as the assignment goes, it, it it's pretty much um, disappears. Uh, when you narrowly expect, escape an accident, for example, the, the stress of a car just zipping by you and almost taking you out, that creates some stress, but again, it's not something that remains. So that's what is meant by uh, acute stress. Um, it um, or you can have it sometimes if you have an exhilarating ride, like you're going to these uh, one of these roller coasters. Oh man, that 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 that, that might be enjoyable, but it's stress. I've been in one of something like that already, and I I wish I'd never gotten into it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect. I thought it was I was going to die. To be honest with you, uh, or you have an outstanding achievement that you get that you you know something you've done. It it it, it, it so it's it's not something that. Um, is prolonged, and that's the key thing. But it happens whether it is something that is threatening or something that is even successful. It can still have stress in that regard. Um, it's short term, uh, and normally the emotions return to a relative uh, stable state or normal state. Uh, episodic um, acute stress um, refers to when acute stress happens frequently. It's not like an episode that happens maybe two or three months down. It's happening more frequently and more frequently. It's not chronic as yet, but it's happening more frequent than normal. You don't normally face the stress all the time. Uh, it uh, Take a situation when you got constantly have work deadlines. That could bring you to a state of stress every week, basically. Uh, uh, another situation I may think about, think of a healthcare uh, worker who's having to take care of people, elderly people. They're having stress frequently. It's not chronic, but it's very, very frequent. Um, um, if you're uh, take of a business who is, is trying to survive, it's probably going to fold, and you've now got all that tension to try to keep that thing afloat. Uh, or think of somebody who has to take care of somebody at home, an elderly person. Uh, so the stress is not 
something that is now just happening at one time and it, it disappears for a long period of time. You find it happens more frequently every week, every month, whatever it is. Um, so it, 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 it leads to accumulation of this matter and um, you feel as though you're going from one crisis to another. That is what is called episodic. And then there's what you call chronic stress where it seems it goes on for such a long, long, long time and it, you, the you stress feels like it's never going to end. You constantly have this thing. You don't seem to be able to improve your situation or change your situation. Uh, for example, when you're constantly fighting a partner, hmm. every day, every month, or every week you come home, you've got to fight the partner, uh, maybe fighting that they didn't bring in enough money for the house or they're um, being unfaithful or something like that. Um, caring for an addict or a person who is immobile in your home, that's not easy. Uh, and, uh, of course, the other one I mentioned before is when you have to care for an elderly person. You have this, this chronic stress uh, within your life. So those are the three basic uh, types of stress. And the difference between them is the degree or the extent to which you encounter stress on a regular basis. Is it sin for a Christian to be stressed? Well, if it is sin to a Christian to be stressed, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I would answer no. It depends on the situation because stress is something that all of us would encounter in life. What I think that uh, where it becomes sin is where it becomes so prolonged that we become so overwhelmed that we lose our faith and we, our faith goes into eclipse. But I don't think it is possible to consciously every single day face life without facing some kind of stress. I think it happens. And uh, when we talk about why people respond differently, we'll talk about the fact that one of the things that really um, uh, is important in respect to how you deal with stress is how you perceive the event. I think that is where sin can come in, how you see the event. Some people are so overwhelmed by the event that, that they give up all hope and they lose their faith and their trust in God. So I think, um, but I don't think it is possible um, to go through life. I don't think on a daily basis, quite frankly, there's something going to stress you at some point in time, yeah. whether it be somebody at work, somebody at home, something you're doing, even even a hobby that you're doing and you're trying to make something and you try this and get frustrated breaks or you, you make the hole too large or mm. something burns up. I mean, <laughs> you can get that kind of stress. I, 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 I think it depends, Nathan, uh, but I do feel that it's a common part of life and it all depends on our perspective on it, how we respond to it. Here's a question that's come in from the Southern Caribbean. Very practical question. Good night, Pastor. How do you deal with stress at the workplace as a Christian? For example, stress from your boss. I have always strived to do my best and even go beyond the call of duty and do all as unto God and not to man. But sometimes individuals really do disturb your spirit. How do you deal with stress at the workplace as a Christian, specifically stress from your boss? I hope that we can deal with that at some greater depth. But my, my, my uh, initial thoughts on that would be, um, I think you probably, I would probably have a meeting with him. And I would explain to him that, look, I'm doing my best. Uh, you can see clearly the results that I'm trying to produce. And it's not helping me to perform better by you putting me under the stress constantly. Um, so I would, I would let him know what is happening, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the others within the the, the the workplace, 
Um, the only thing I can I can tell you right off the bat uh, would be to try to get your mind off the situation by maybe meditating on the verse of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, before you go to work, spend some time in reading the Scriptures and have some key thought in your mind that you, you meditate on, etc. Um, I would take breaks from, if I'm the, in the environment where the a stress environment, I will take some periodic breaks, get out of that kind of an atmosphere, depending on, on those kind of things. And the other thing is that you might have to find a different job. If you talk to the boss and you explain to him that it's causing you tremendous stress and it's wearying you down because it will affect you in three, three different ways. It's going to affect you physiologically, that is going to affect your body. It's going to affect you psychologically, that's going to affect your, your feelings and your emotions, and it's going to affect you mentally. Uh, and and uh, if it's going to affect you that way, when you go home, you carry home those problems, affect your marriage, it affects your, your life, your children, the, the, the option may be that you find some uh, another job that relieves you of that tension. I'm not suggesting to leave a job until you find something else. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But if you're doing your best and you've explained to the boss and he, he knows that you're a good worker, he knows that you're performing the best that you can, but he keeps putting this constant stress upon you and he's not prepared to learn, uh, to try to change, uh, you've got to make a decision for yourself, what's in the best interest of yourself, your health, your family, etc., etc. Um you don't want to live in an atmosphere where you're constantly in that. You, uh, you, you might end up with um, cancer or end up with ulcers or something else. Um, you don't want that. But we'll look at that more closely um, um, at, at, at one of the party program, looking at specifically for the workplace. But those are some very, very um, things that just come to my mind right off the bat uh, without going into any further detail. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. You are listening to That's Truth, a live interactive program here to answer your questions. Tonight we're talking about stress, but your question does not have to pertain specifically to this topic. If it's related to something else, feel free to still call in and ask your question live on the air by calling 268-462-7420. If you don't want to be live on the air, not a problem. You can still interact with us. Send your question via WhatsApp or text message to 268-782-1454. Or you can go on Facebook Live, go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the live video feed, and right there in the comment section, send in your question. Yeah, Nathan, the thought that came to me again, uh, I, I mentioned at least do your devotions or have a time of prayer. But one of the key verses I think that the good person keep in their mind that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. I would make that a meditative thought uh, if I were the person to try to help. If the situation is not changing because the boss attitude is not changing, the worker's not attitude is not changing, uh, you have to work on your own mental uh, mindset. And again, the best way, one of, one of the things I you will discover when we talk about how to deal with stress generally, one of the key things that the secular people tell you is meditation. It's a yeah. shocking discovery that they recognize that they do need meditation. Of course, they talk about different forms of meditation, not biblical meditation. But I, I was so surprised that that's one of the key things that they emphasize, meditating, meditating. And for Christian, we meditate on God, it's works of God, and uh, the things that God has done for us. That helps us a lot. We're talking tonight about stress. Pastor's defined stress, and he's talked about three basic types of stress. Pastor, what are some of the symptoms of stress? Well, as I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, that uh, there um, are three levels of symptoms when it comes to 
to um, stress. I mentioned the fact that they're physiological, that is, uh, physical effects of the body. I mentioned psychological effect, your feelings and emotions, and of course, affect your mind. Uh, a lot depends on the type of stress. Remember, we talked about the three to the acute stress, the um, periodic stress, and we talked about the chronic stress. Uh, so it depends on which stress you're dealing with. But let's talk about acute stress for just a moment. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that will happen. Uh, one of the things would be what you call your, your pupil will dilate. And the reason that, that your, your, your body causes a lot of light. So you, you should be able to see things more in better perspective, believe it or not. But when you go through that, uh, automatically it happens. Uh, your heart increases it, the rate, sending more blood and more oxygen to your muscles, etc., to help you to be able to function, function better. These are the physiological things that happen. Uh, perspiration. Uh, you find that when you are under stress, the stress causes the temperature to rise in your body, and that causes you to perspire more. That's, again, that helps you to ventilate, quite frankly. You, you know that when you sweat, you get cooler. Basically, that's the body trying to get you to get back to a normal mode. And then uh, sometimes you might have uh, fast, heavy breathing uh, to introduce more oxygen into the body uh, to help with the whole stress. And then there's anxiety, uh, feeling of worry and fear, uh, because of stress, and then there's moodiness, uh, irritability, you've got swings uh, of your emotions, and the other thing is poor sleep. You're going to face that that's going to affect you because it uh, it's going to disrupt it because of the cocktail of hormones and chemicals that are now doused into your body to, to deal with, with the matter. And then poor concentration is another thing. Uh, you find that you're constantly mind-shifting, you can't think straight, etc., etc. And again, it's because of all of these hormones that are now released in the body and chemicals that are getting the body to cope. Um, when we come to the episodic acute stress, uh, you get muscle tension. And the body guards against injury or pain and so the muscles don't get back to relax they stay in that tense state uh, to prepare you for whatever you, you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna face uh, poor concentration I mentioned that before F a sense of feeling overwhelmed where you feel you're not able to cope with this matter and you can't visualize any kind of solution anger is another thing you you um, pretty much um, become very irritable you lash out more often uh, with less provo provocation that you had before and things that you would normally tolerate before you're now reacting so strongly people are wondering about, wait a minute I said that to you before that's because you're under stress migraines uh, these are often the result of, of uh, muscle tension and uh, the frequency and severity of these are likely to inc increase as the uh, stress gets more then hypertension uh, that has to do with high blood pressure. And, and by the way, some people don't even know they have it. The only way you can really know if you have high blood pressure and hypertension is to go to a medical physician and get And then there's chronic stress. Um, the effects are weight loss or weight gain. There's something called stress eating, where to release stress, people overeat. On the other hand, it, it drains you so much that you don't feel like eating anymore. So it, it can go in two different directions depending on the personality. Uh, and then you have uh, heightened levels of what is called adrenaline and cortisol in, in the body. And uh, this uh, causes high blood pressure and causes the heart rate to increase uh, to produce a, a, car a higher cardiac output. The long-term effect, however, of having these uh, adrenaline and cortisol is that it affects your memory and affects your digestion. And uh, it can also suppress what you call your immune system. 
So it's having a real effect. And then insomnia. No, you can't sleep. And uh, you have difficulty falling asleep. And often, even when you get rested, you don't feel rested. And then you have what you might call panic attack, uh, attacks. Uh, you can't explain it, but you feel palpitations of the, 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 the heart, perspiration, um, anxiety, moodiness, uh, uh, poor concentration, and sleeplessness. And then feelings of helplessness. I think this is probably the worst part of it that you don't think the situation will improve and pretty much you have this resignation that uh, you, you you would rather die than actually continue in this, this kind of a state. Wow. Uh, it brings you to that time. And then headaches. I don't have to tell you that. They, uh, tension headaches. And tension headaches, uh, uh, when you have 15, uh, more than 15 days in the month, you're having these headaches. And then emotional fatigue. Feeling tired the majority of times, irrespective of what type of rest you get. You always feel tired and exhausted. Uh, those are substantially uh, the variety of um, s- symptoms that you face with um, with stress. Then you can see how <laughs> how devastating it is. I, uh, one person comes to mind right now that I'm very much aware of, uh, who's been caring for somebody for a long time, and I can see it's taking a toll on the person. And I admire the the sacrifice they've made, but it has really, really devastated them. And um, uh, my sympathy and my heart goes up when I actually see it. Uh, but it's it's really uh, devastating to, to go through this kind of stress. A question from a listener. Pastor, I operate most effectively when I am under stress. As such, I create stress for myself so that I can be more productive. Is this sin? Well, look, uh, a lot has to do with your upbringing. For example, I, I am a last-minute person very often, to be honest with you. My, I do not not write out my sermons finally until Saturday. I read all during the week, but I spend my whole day Saturday and Sunday night just putting everything down, right? So I, I understand that. But that came from years of going to school and my parents having a television and the only time I got the studies when the television was off, that was 11 o'clock <laughs> at night. So I had to wait until everything was over, then I would study. Unfortunately, that has carried over. So I, I think I understand what he's saying. Not all not all stress is bad, by the way. Okay. Uh, don't ever think that all stress is bad. If it works for you, and it's not making you that you're not unproduct- you're unproductive or you're irritable or you're unpleasant to be wrong, et cetera, et cetera, I would not classify that as, um, as something that is sinful. If it begins to affect your body and you, you, know, and you can't sleep and you're, you're becoming moody and irritable and peevish and uh, you're not pleasant to be wrong and your children can hardly talk to you except you, you, you shout at them, etc., etc. The wife can't bear to see you because the mere look at you and uh, etc. Uh, discourages her. So I think uh, I don't think if you think it's, it's, it's helping you to function, um, I would not classify it that way. But be very watchful. Um, and, and just remember that because you're that way, Please don't expect other people within your home, your wife, to be that way as well. They, they might see it a much different way. So uh, bear that in mind. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, broadcasting from the island of Antigua on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, online at radiolighthouse.org. And for this program, That's Truth, we are also live on Facebook, the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, and click on the live 
Facebook feed, and you can comment your questions right there. If you're not on Facebook, you can call and be put live on the air, 268-462-7420 is the number you want to call. And if you don't want to speak live on the air, but you still have a thought you want to share or a question you want to send in, and it doesn't have to relate specifically to the topic tonight, you can send it via WhatsApp or text message by sending it to one 268 7821454 Pastor do we know why different people handle or respond to stress differently and some handle it better than others research has been done on this as well because you know there's some people who just fold when they face stress. There are other people that, man, they seem to manage it so well that you wonder if they're from Mars or something because you yourself can't handle it. But um, there's several factors that they've seen that have contributed towards this matter. One of the key factors, Nathan, is the perception of whatever causes the stress. Um, um, They call that something called cognitive appraisal, how you see the situation event. For example, uh, does it seem to be a dangerous event? If it's a danger to you and not a danger to me, your response is going to be much different. Uh, How important it is uh, is another factor. The degree of importance would determine whether or not what the stress level. Um, What are the implications of the event for the individual? How would it impact? the individual, etc. how he sees it impacting him, and uh, can the individual handle the aftermath of the event? If this event occurs, whatever are the consequences, can you handle it? So when you, when you look at the perception from that angle, the danger of it, the importance of it, the implications of it, and the aftermath effects, uh, those factors help to uh, influence the degree of, of stress. Uh, and that is one of the things that they said perception is very, very. That's why I say to you that you can have a person who, um, if stress is right or wrong, this is where perception comes in. When you miss the idea that God can help you, or you miss the idea that God is not interested in you, or you get that kind of thing, now it's going into the sin area because your perception is is, is so um, so. Uh, so um, Weird, <laughs> uh, so skewed. skewed. Uh, that that from from a Christian perspective, that could be the uh, could become sin. The other thing that they talk about is heredity, and what I mean by that, Nathan, your genes. If you come from a family and your parents seem to be the kind of people who are capable of handling stress, somehow it seems that uh, the, within the family, it seems that it's something that is passed on that enables the person uh, to be able to cope much better. So there's genetics involved, uh, not in its totality, but it seemed to be, if your parents can have gen, that could happen. So so they seem, they think there's something actually genetic on. about it, not just the fact that you saw your parents model how to handle stressful situations. Now we come to, that's another factor, okay. but the other thing is that they do feel that it's, it's somehow a genetic factor that's okay. involved. You ever met uh, people that are, some people who have, optimistic, very optimistic. Yeah. You met some so, so, some people are so depressed. Yeah. When you meet their parents, you begin to understand <laughs> why, okay? Uh, I think we all can identify yeah. that. The other thing is uh, they call what they call, depends on the personality type, type of personality. Now, if you read um, Tim LaHaye's book on why you do what you do, uh, and there's another book on the uh, four types of personalities, he talks about the phlegmatic, the melancholy, the choleric, and the sanguine, but uh, in, in more common terms today, 
they identify what is called five, four major personality types. Uh, there's a, a type A personality, a type B, type C, and type D. Let me just explain the difference here. Depending on the type of personality and the dominant trait of that personality, uh, it would affect how the person is able to cope with stress. Take the type A person. A type A person is normally said to be outgoing, energetic, confident, ambitious, he has drives, competitive, and he's motivated. He doesn't handle stress very well. And mm. the reason for that is he doesn't want things to frustrate him. He, he's just, he wants to get everything done. He wants to get everything done very, very, very fast. So he's always feels stymied by anything that blocks or frustrates the way. So he's not a person disposed to handling stress very, very well. He has a lot of good qualities, but it's these same qualities because he wants to achieve so much. Anything that gets in the way, he gets stressed very quickly. There's a type B person who is described as reserved, quiet, relaxed, patient, easygoing. Nothing seems to bother this guy. He handles stress very, very well. But notice, he's not outgoing, he's not energetic, he's not ambitious. <laughs> so there's a trade-off here, yeah. uh, what type of person you are. So if you are a type A personality with those type of qualities, you will understand why you are this kind of way. It's not that you are... Uh, the fact is that you're just a, an achiever and you just don't want things to block your way. There's another type of person called a type C personality. And this is a person who has... Uh, the ability to focus on small things but leave everything else to anybody else to do. He too is very capable of handling stress because he leaves other people to control the situation. He's not worried about the situation. He just, uh, he just got his little world that he's interested in. And then there's a type D personality. And this person is a person who sees the world from a pessimistic uh, way. And whatever happens, he expects it to be negative. So mm. therefore, he's not bothered. It's going to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> Sets his expectations low. Yeah, he has low expectations, right? And uh, he lives a life of pretty much resignation. Whatever happened, happens. Uh, sarah, sarah. What will be, will be. Okay. So if you are identified with those personalities, I think you can see why we would handle stress differently. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say who is who, but at least this makes you aware that your personality plays a part in how you deal with stress and how you face with stress. So the other thing uh, you, you mentioned uh, is the environment that you're growing up in, and uh, that has a, a tremendous effect upon you. For example, um, if you're brought up in poverty or poor nutrition or your family is constantly having relational problems, you, uh, where you've developed a disposition of constantly having stress, uh, that seemed to affect you, your capacity to handle stress as well. Um, if you have a father, as you mentioned, who is able to handle, or a brother or some family member, you learn, uh, that's a learned part of it, uh, you learn behavior, you learn that as well. The other thing is uh, a person's faith. Uh, generally people, people who have a deep faith in God handle stress more than anybody else. And the reason for that, they've got the comfort and the promise of God's Word. They've got the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They believe in a sovereign, omnipotent God who can do anything. And normally they would have a Christian friend that could give them, bring them back to a perspective that is balanced when it becomes skewed 
and they they go off on a tangent somewhere. That Christian pers- friend that they have normally helps them to keep this this uh, this perspective. So being a believer, being a Christian, and having a good solid Christian faith helps you to handle stress. The other thing that uh, that is important, Nathan, is your state of health. If a person is eating well, exercising, enjoying adequate sweet, sweet, uh, sleep, not abusing his body, he's better able to cope with stress than a person who's abusing his body, not eating well, not sleeping well, not exercising. Uh, he's actually creating the environment, really, to allow stress to foster there. Then gender is another thing. Uh, for some reason, women seem to get more stressed than men. Uh, and I am not too sure why that happens. Uh, I can suggest that maybe it's the extra work that they do. Uh, you know, a man works eight hours a day, a woman works eight hours a day. He has to come home and take care of the, the house. She has to cook. She has to clean. Unless she has a husband who helps her, you can see why she's going through this kind of thing. The other thing is that a lot of women are single parents. So she's doing two, twice the job uh, if, if she had a husband to be there. And then women tend to focus on details. We see the broad picture, but every little funny thing, and that because of that, they, and that's a good thing, don't misunderstand it, in good sense, but it also could be a bad thing. That, 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 and then the other thing, of course, everything is intermixed and interconnected. You know, so one thing relates to the other, and this whole ball of wax complicates the whole of life. And, uh, and that. so those are... Um, explain some reasons why, uh, seven reasons basically why uh, people look at stress and deal with stress in in, in different ways. You were mentioning the type A through type D Uh personalities. And how would you respond to the listener who is saying, Pastor, should I choose my future spouse based on personalities and personality differences? Should that play into who I marry? I would think it would be wise to, to uh, be sure the kind of person if you're an outgoing person you're an energetic person you're a person who is very very ambitious and you marry a person who has no ambition no zeal no passion you're headed for trouble you are already headed for trouble uh, so I do think that and by the way this is one of the things that's covered in premarital counseling personality differences right because that is people don't you know Mistake, the mistake that people make all the time is this, Nathan. They might sound rather crude on the radio. But people think by jumping into bed, they solve all their problems. They are in for the great shock of their lives when you have to live with 24 hours a day with a person, seven days a week, uh, 30 days a month, and 365 days in a year, and you live that for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Uh, it's a gross mistake that is made, and this is where uh, dating uh, needs to be more explorative in finding out things about the person and making good solid judgments uh, don't let the dimple cause you to uh, make this mistake and then regret the balance of your life so I do think that personality is important uh, when you are going to decide on the marital partner and I think there are many people who are married who look back and said I wish I thought about that but many have, have uh, made the decision already and of course once you're married you're married a question from a listener. Pastor, do you believe that the devil thrives on a Christian who is stressed and overwhelmed by adding more pressure to them mentally and physically? How can they overcome the wiles and tricks of the devil? Well, there's no question that uh, our adversary is a biological, uh, uh, has a, um, a genius that's diabolical. And um, if you can just imagine that he is our arch enemy, 
who's had 2,000 years of experience with human, 6,000 years of experience with humankind, uh, he clearly uh, would make sense that he would exploit our times of stress. As a matter of fact, I think we can show you in the Bible that that was uh, very much so, of course, in the case of Elisha, in the case of David. Uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, uh, etc. So I do, I, I do believe that he exploits that matter, and that's why it's important uh, for believers to be aware that this is one of his strategies. Now, if you notice, it's one of his strategies. Therefore, when stress begins to, to come on, you re- say to yourself, "Well, he's going to exploit this. So how do I reduce my stress level?" Uh, but there's no question that this is one of the stratagems that he would use, and he is used in the scriptures again and again uh, with Bible characters. So that is a um, an endorsed uh, uh, view that is very clear as far as I'm concerned. Do you have a question? It doesn't have to relate to stress. It can be about why the Bible says something, why the Bible doesn't talk about a particular topic or so on and so forth, we would love for you to call in and ask your question live on the air. 268-462-7420 is the phone number to call. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Thank you to the individuals who have sent in questions thus far tonight. Or you can join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page And right there on the Facebook Live video feed, you can comment your question, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.15. We still have 45 minutes left in tonight's episode, so be sure to invite others to tune in. It can be as simple as just a quick WhatsApp to say, hey, Tune in to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. They're talking about a topic that I know will be beneficial to you. And let me just remind you, if you are traveling overseas, maybe you have a trip planned for this summer, and you're saying, I still want to be able to listen to That's Truth or the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Remember, no matter where you are in the world, if you have the Internet, you can listen to us online at radiolighthouse.org. You can encourage friends and family, even if they live around the globe, that they can also listen 24-7 on our website. Pastor, do you have anything else you want to mention about why we would handle stress differently before we move on? I, I, um, I can't think of anything immediately that I can add to that. Um, so what what would you say causes stress? And maybe that list is too long to even discuss tonight. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the major causes of stress, though, we can talk about the major causes of stress, especially chronic stress. Um, um, the main thing normally is financial, especially our financial obligations, not able to meet those obligations. Um, when we have an inability to pay bills, uh, maybe we've lost a job, uh, we're faced with long-term unemployment, or we have some kind of increase in debt uh, because we're using the credit card and the interest rate is so high. I think it's like 20%. I don't know what it is right now. But uh, the main thing, basically, in a lot of cases when it comes to stress has to do with finances. I would say to people who are going into to marriage um, that your first two years uh, is going to be the period of your greatest financial stress. And you've got to be aware about that. And, and here's the reason why you don't have to, want to have a big splash. There are people who borrow money uh, from the bank to have a big splash. 
and the time the wedding is over, by the time they, they, they just wedding is over, they're in, in tremendous debt. Uh, and they put themselves in that situation, not understanding that as you keep paying off this debt and needs are not being met, it leads to anger and frustration and relational problems within your marriage. So you don't want to go in that direction. Uh, the credit card, uh, be very much aware, is plastic money. You really don't own the money, but they make you feel as though it, it may give you, you are empowered, as they would say, with a credit card. And you have a tendency that when you go on the internet, you see things, uh, your eye wants what it sees. And if you're not careful, you're spending money. And um, remember that the, the, the interest rate is very, very high. So that be, But those financial problems, don't buy the house that you can't afford. Mm. Don't buy the vehicle you can't afford. Uh, don't buy... Uh, the fridge you can't afford. Um, learn to live within your means. I know that's difficult to say today with courts offering you pay $10 and you can have this item for so long, but by the time you pay the interest, you almost double the, what you would have paid for if you could buy it uh, cash. So be very careful. But finance is the, one of the, if not the major problem when it comes to stress. I've seen some ads on television recently that I honestly feel are very unethical. I want to get your thoughts, Pastor. It's promoting getting a credit card, and the credit card company is painting this picture that everything is rosy and happy. Oh, you want that? You can go scan your card. You want that? You can go scan your card. It's almost as if they're saying life is perfect once you have this credit card. I don't know about your view, Pastor, but I think that's completely uh, disturbing. Yeah, look, um, the advertising agency... I think, in my judgment, there is a moral. Um, there's a moral issue involved because you're creating greed. Uh, it'd be very difficult for me to go into the field of advertising as a Christian perspective because it's designed to create discontent and create greed, right? And I, I think that um, there are a lot of these things that are so attractive that people spend money they don't have, and then they end up in debt, and then that leads to health issues family issues, etc., etc. So I do think that there's a moral element there and that if you're going to going to advertise, um, I think that people should be feel a sense of moral responsibility of the effect it's going to have. But of course, business is about making money. It doesn't matter how they make money. And, and that's the tragedy of the, the lack of ethics within uh, the advertising agency and within business. But there should, ought to be some social responsibility as well when you're dealing with that. You, you know, you can, you can create desires in people that really can cause them to do something they should not do. Uh, you should say, but they should, should have enough power to constrain. But the power of the advertising uh, and using psychology, that the techniques of psychology, they know exactly how to push the right button and to get you to do things. So I do think there's an ethical problem and a moral problem there. Is there anything else besides money that causes stress? Yeah, the death of a loved one. I mean, uh, that is certainly one that causes, when a loved one passes away, it's very, very devastating. And it has a mix of emotions. Sometimes um, it's the hole that is left there, uh, the vacancy that is left, it is so sudden. Uh, if it's somebody that was a, a close companion, somebody you really loved and cared about, uh, who's going to fill that void in your life? And the mere thought of trying to fill that void, who do I fill that void with? Sometimes the person is irreplaceable. That can add things. Sometimes you carry guilt. 
you feel that uh, you probably could have done something that maybe, for example, take a, a person who's on have to go through cancer or some major medical expense, and it's going to cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the fact that you have some money, but again you're looking at if I. St- put all that money in that direction what happened to my family so it's a tough position I mean it's your family or the per- sometimes you, you you say well you know what my family comes first but then you have the guilt you know you have to deal with that that creates stress because you're carrying this guilt because this person has died and you feel that there's something you could have done um, sometimes the person dies and you are planning to get things right with them it's like you're so disappointed, but I was. Let's suppose you're planning next week to do it, and it died the same week. It's like it, it, you feel as though, why did you do this? <laughs> I mean, they, didn't, they weren't responsible, but that's the sense of it, you know. So there is this stress that comes as well in a lover. Uh, I mentioned job loss. Um, and remember that job loss is not just about loss of income, job loss has to do with your ego and your self confidence. Mm. Because when you get a, a letter telling you that your service is no longer required, it's not just that you lose an income, but you begin to wonder if I am not capable now or if they found somebody who's better than, than I am and they're displacing me. So it's not just about losing the income. It's about how you see yourself. And that puts a lot of stress upon you as an individual. Uh, a traumatic event, for example, a natural disaster that uh, rip off the roof of your house or you're not get, getting water in your ear for the next two weeks or, or, or something of that ear. I mean, that yeah. creates a tremendous amount of stress. Now you're getting close to home. <laughs> <laughs> I told somebody this. I don't know if this, the people would like me saying this, but I told somebody this. I, was, I came to Antigua in 1984, and Antigua had two problems, water and the roads. It's now 2022. Antigua has the same problems, water and the roads. And I can't, I, I can't explain I have the view that any political party that can solve those two problems will be in power almost indefinitely in Antigua because it's really been a problem uh, in Antigua. And anybody who is honest would admit that has been a problem. Uh, you still got... I'm living in Wireless Road. Uh, I get water, I think, once or twice a week at the most, even living in Wireless Road, yeah. you know. I understand the, the problem of rainfall, et cetera, et cetera. And I know the government is trying. I think they're building another plant over here where we go into... Um, Fort James. Yeah, Fort James. I think that would help to ease the problem. But uh, a natural disaster... Um, we have a question that's come in. Sure. Uh, I appreciate this topic, Pastor. The world seems to be going fast-paced these days where pressure is put on businesses to keep up or outperform faster businesses. Sometimes things are done so rushed, there are issues that become big problems later on. How do you find a balance as a believer where you are keeping up at a good pace but not going along with the rushed, dangerous pace that can lead to high stress, sometimes poor performance, or cracking or lashing out in a state of withdrawal or anger? I think it goes to do with your your, your perfect, uh, perspective and your purpose. Always keep, what's your purpose in your business? What are you trying to achieve? If you're a Christian businessman, you want to be successful. But what's your ultimate goal? Is it uh, glorifying God? Uh, what is it? So I think you've got to bring God into this, this, whole, this whole, whole picture. Um, a, a Christian business should be as, uh, as excellent as it can be. Uh, it should want profit like anybody that's want profit because that's what the business is for. But again, 
the the end product of the whole matter. You don't want to do a shoddy job because it reflects on your your, your business, it reflects on your testimony. Uh, you don't want to seem to be so caught up with the, the with greed that you're losing your perspective and balance in life. So I do think it has to do with your your view of what what's the, what's the mission of your business. Where does God fit into that mission of your business, and how does your entire testimony, both as an individual and as a corporate entity that's recognized as a Christian institution, how does that play into the whole matrix of your business? I think that is keep keep that perspective in mind so that you don't lose your balance in that matter. But you must have uh, the God factor involved in your business and you must have the, the testimony uh, of, of God and witness to God in, in your business while at the same time wanting to pursue excellence and want to achieve a, a reasonable reasonable goal. But you don't want to rush into something and do things that, as you said, in the long term, uh, becomes very messy, very unproductive, and does a lot of hurt to the business. Thank you to the individual who sent in that comment and question. Pastor, that leads me to ask the question, can a Christian businessman in today's world be as successful as an unbeliever? I don't only think that he can be he should can be I think he should be I really think that uh, look I feel that if you've got a, a doctor two doctors in the hospital they've got about the same level of qualifications same ability same intelligence understand the Christian should excel I, I believe that with all my heart I think you've got two two teachers in school same basic qualifications, same basic uh, mindset, uh, ability in mind. I think the Christian said, we have something. All we try to do is to please God and to glorify God. And that puts us on a higher pedestal and want to achieve uh, something more than ever. If I'm a Christian businessman, I, I want my profits to be as high as, as possible within uh, ethical controls. And the reason for that is this. I'm a Christian businessman. I want to give to the Lord. I want to give to his ministries. It's not just about me and my staff. It's always about how can now if I, you know, how can I give more to me? And there are ministries all over the world. We get missionary letters all the time. Uh, we need 50 chairs. A chair is going to cost $5. Now think about that for just a moment. Uh, I wonder sometimes why we, we're not always in the position to help or we're going to buy land. When you hear the price of land, you realize, but that is so dirt cheap if we had to buy it. Get what I'm saying? So I think what a, a Christian businessman should be thinking of how do I increase this, how do I increase that, whatever it is. But he must always take the God factor into consideration. How can he enhance God's kingdom and God's uh, God's ministries by giving to the Lord? And the more you are able to make, the more you're able to give in terms of the Lord. I think that, that is one of the motivating factors. It must not all be about money for money's sake. It must be money for the benefit of the ministry, benefit of the kingdom of God. I think if you keep that perspective, I think you have a good balance there as far as a believer is concerned. We're talking about stress tonight, and Pastor has defined stress. He shared some symptoms, some basic types of stress, and right now he's listing some things that cause stress. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned um Financial uh, failure to meet financial obligations. I mentioned the death of a loved one. We talk about uh, job loss. Uh, we talk about traumatic ex um, traumatic events like natural disasters. Um, of course, um, a, a car accident would be, an, uh, again, a traumatic event. Uh, these are things that we don't have any control over and things that are unpredictable and unforeseen. And when they happen, and they happen so suddenly, uh, it 
creates stress because it's not part of our normal experience. Um, the other part that caused stress was mentioned in the uh, one of the persons asked is uh, work-related problems. Um, the performance pressure that is placed upon an individual, uh, feeling that you need to keep doing more and more to keep your job, um, 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 constantly um, having um, communication that is negative towards uh, your, yourself, or you got a cantankerous boss that two demands are just totally unrealistic. Uh, no matter what he, he you know he keeps, but he's. And uh, you know what? Or you may have a person who is in a position at work who is pretending to a level of knowledge that is incapable, but uh, they're the ones in charge, and therefore sometimes uh, you have to endure the folly of decisions that are made. And you feel that a much wiser person would have not made that kind of decision. So you've got these uh, work-related problems. And then relational issues is another big one of, of stress. All relationships create stress, but many, uh, most of those uh, stress that we face are mild and easy that we can handle, uh, but there are larger issues that create stress with, for example, an unhappy marriage. That is a constant source uh, of stress. Uh, a threatening divorce is, is another relational problem you can have. Infidelity, repeated infidelity, where you're willing to forgive and to move on, and promises are made, promises are not kept, and you constantly have to deal with the insecurity of yourself and also the, the fear of catching some um, disease or something, and you're dealing with your partner. But for the children's sake, you don't want to break up the home, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, another relational problem is one of the partners who's overspending. Uh, who can't seem to get a handle? You are you are a, a very thrifty person, but this person is a person who just is reckless in in terms of, and you're trying to to deal with that. Uh, you have fairly medium taste. This person has exquisite taste. They like all the fancy stuff that is far more expensive. They like to shop in certain places. You person like the shop in person where price is a factor. That's another neglect. Is another thing within a relationship uh, that can cause a problem with the husband neglecting the wife, right? the, 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 uh, the husband, or vice versa, and the children being neglected. And then uh, when you've got imbalanced home duties, I, I mentioned that before where men need to be very, very conscious that if two persons are working within the home, you cannot expect the wife to work eight hours a day and you work eight hours a day. And when she comes home, all you do is sit down, read the newspaper, watch television, or get on your silly little games. Uh, that is something that needs to be corrected. Uh, you need to help, uh, whether it be if she is preparing the meal, uh, she cooks it and you wash the wares, or while she's cooking, you clean the bathroom or you sweep the house. Do something, but don't put all the load upon her. And the fact that she it feels so imbalanced to her. Look, you're working eight hours, I'm working eight hours, but when I come home, I got all the work to do. That can lead to relational problems. And when you have relational problems, it leads to bed problems. And once you have that, it can lead to all kinds of stress within the relationship. The other thing, Nathan, uh, is health issues. I can call, for example, a chronic disease that you there seems to be no cure, you can't get under control. Uh, a medical condition that is draining your income, you got to every single month. You got to. I forgot. Uh, you told me a figure the other day that one uh, 
with yeah. the, someone getting cancer treatment. Yeah, what uh, was your one shot? Again? Was I believe it was like twelve or fifteen thousand dollars. Was that U.S. or EC? I can't remember. I believe it was U.S. Yeah, yeah. That that I mean, think about that for just a moment. Uh, uh, a medical issue that uh, retards your mobility again. You're a person who's been always active, but now you had a stroke, and you you got to walk with a stick. You got to move slowly. All of that uh, frustration, um, etc. Any event really that uh, disrupts, uh, significantly alter your normal way of life um, can create like moving to another location, changing a job. Um, a family member involved with the police because of some illegality like involved with drugs or something. Um, all of these uh, are factors that um, that can lead to, stre- to stress, and I'm sure that the persons listening could probably quote another dozen, but it's a very broad spectrum of, of uh, causes, but I think that kind of sums up most of the causes, uh, most of the things that cause the stress. You mentioned that every relationship causes stress issues to some degree. And that got me thinking, I recently had a discussion with a fellow believer about those who are getting ready to be married. You know, you watch these Hollywood movies and they'll say, oh, I'm so nervous. What if I'm marrying the wrong person? And then you occasionally talk to someone who's getting ready to get married the next week or something. They say, I'm just so nervous about my wedding, so nervous. Pastor, should we as believers, as we're getting ready to be married, should we be nervous like that? It shouldn't be, but again, I don't know uh, what the person is nervous about. Um, a first, if a person has been pure, the mere thought of a first night encounter, for example, could create jitters that you may not be aware of, but that right. w- what happened, that could be a disaster, it could be successful. Uh, um I, I don't know. Is the bride going to turn up? That should not be one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I know brides have uh, stood up people for like an hour, two hours, and people mm-hmm. wondering if it's going to happen. But generally speaking, you should not. There might be a healthy sense of nervousness. Am I going to, you know, how do I kiss the bride in front of everybody? I, yeah. I, I don't think I kissed my wife, to be honest. I was so I was so shy and so embarrassed <laughs> as far as that. So those kind of things. But in terms of... Uh, whether the marriage is going to be successful. I think those are issues that you should have already settled in your mind. Whether it's the right person for you, that should have been settled. So if you're going to the marriage at, at that time, you're still wondering, well, is it the person I should marry? That should never happen. That how, should never happen. How do you settle those things ahead of time? Well, again, it settles it. I would say to you that a lot has to do in the dating process. Uh, you should have in mind what you want to find out about the person. I have said on this thing that uh, it's not just the individual. You need to find out about the individual. The way you find out about the individual is to visit the home. Look at the home. What kind of home you want? Okay, you go out at the person's home. They know you're coming, but it looks as though a storm passed through and they've got everything all disheveled. That's how your home is going to look. Her mom calls her or his mom calls her. Shut up. What or disrespectful response, how you think they're going to answer you when that, that comes, right? All of these things are cues that you pick up. You find out um, a friends that know her. You talk to them or know him, vice versa. I'm just saying her because I'm a right. male at this point in time. You talk to the pastor. Uh, if she is from your church or from another church, even if she's from another church, you need to go and talk to the pastor uh, of, of that that church where she is or he is to find out what's your opinion of her what do you think about how involved she is etc etc 
And then I'll, I'll say this again, Nathan, read some good books on preparing for marriage. Uh, read them. Uh, discuss together those kind of things. Be very watchful. However, there are some books you uh, maybe want to read the last week that you're yeah. going into marriage, but you've got to be very, very careful. But those are some things that, that you can do. But the key thing here is to find out as much as possible about the partner and the family that you're going to marry into and uh, be very, very objective. And I would say this, and I, I'm going to say it now, long before you decide uh, to marry, seek counsel. It is very difficult, and it happens to me all the time, Brother Nathan, is that people decide to get married, and then the pastor, I want you to counsel us. Mm. What can I say now? That will, let's suppose it's something I really think, say that uh, I show that now, you're almost trapped, you almost committed yourself to the marriage, uh, and uh, it, it really, you come just to see if I agree with you, to be very honest with you, and uh, sometimes you're not uh, disposed to listen to objectivity when the person points out certain things, etc., etc. So I think that uh, if you really want premarital counsel long before your engagement, uh, Pastor, I'm thinking of engaging. I would like you to talk to me or talk to, to the person, etc., uh, to help me to make that, that, that final decision. That's the proper way you do it. You don't get engaged and this kind of, and then come because there's not much. Uh, very seldom are you going to find people that are going to differ and, and want uh, any kind of real objectivity on this type of matter that will change their mind, etc. So I think that um, those are some very helpful things. Uh, and I would, one other thing, Nathan, I do feel that because of the current state of the home, the current state of frequency of divorce, both outside the church and inside the church, never before has it been more important to get premarital counsel than now, right? My generation, uh, we went into marriage saying to ourselves, marriage is for life. It's a full-time commitment. Nothing is good. That's not the disposition of this modern generation. They're going into marriage with the idea, if it doesn't work, I can jump ship and I can remarry. That's the attitude that they're going to, et cetera, et cetera. And by the time they're going to marriage, they hardly know anything about, about about the marriage. Let me just say something else quickly, Nathan. Uh, a lot of times they don't discuss such things as who handles the finances. That's a significant problem. Am I going to independent income because I'm working and you're independent? We do. How, how are we going to share the expenses in the home? Who's going to deal with the children? Those you'd be surprised mm. that people don't even think about those kind of things. But sometimes they come to you; they're having problems, and when you begin to talk to them, you begin. But you didn't discuss this before. You didn't. They didn't. <laughs> what can I do now? Yeah. Uh, and, and very often, because they've been doing it for so long, to suggest now that you change it could even become more problematic than leaving it as it is. So it's a very <laughs> marriage is in a very precarious state these days. And uh, if I was the, if I was capable and I was in the government, for example, I, I think I've said this on the radio before, the same way you had to have some kind of uh, study before you got your driver's license. You had to read a manual and study the method. I would make sure every single person who doesn't get married, they must get premarital counseling. That would be mandatory. You can't get married until you get premarital. I'm not starting to get married, but that's, that'd be mandatory. Uh, I think that would be one of the most helpful things in, in preserving the home and the family. 
and society and society as, yeah. as a general whole there are some uh, places in the states by the way there's a guy called Mike McManus um, who has been very very instrumental in getting certain counties uh, to uh, to kind of enact those kind of things and also pastors in areas have mutually agreed that we're going to, to marry anybody who doesn't have premarital counseling that will help so much uh, but th- th- those are kind of simple little things that we can do But and I hope that uh, uh, that we can improve uh, the longevity of marriage by taking some proactive steps to try to help out in these situations. One final question along these lines for the individual who says, Pastor, I'm set to get married later this calendar year, but I have in the back of my mind, if I'm really honest, doubts about whether my future spouse is saved. I would never advise anybody to marry, if you're a Christian, to marry an unsafe person or some person that you suspect is not saved. You are headed for trouble that you've never seen uh, before. Even when you marry another Christian, you have problems. But imagine marrying a person then to discover that the person is not a believer and has misled you because that's how you will feel. Because if you're a believer, you're not going to marry a person that's not a Christian. The Bible says you marry in the Lord. You're not going to marry an unsafe person. So I, if a person is not sure that the partner is a believer, I would automatically uh, ask them to desist from the relationship and uh, until there's some certainty in that regard uh, don't proceed any further until you have confidence that it's a genuine authentic believer Uh, because you want to please the Lord and you marry in the Lord but also you're going to save yourself from lots and lots of trouble uh, in the future let's bring this even closer to home to the listener how do I know that I am a believer, or maybe I know that I'm not a Christian. I have had no desire or burden for that. How do I become a believer? You become a believer by simply putting your faith and trust in Christ, having been convicted of his sins and repenting of those sins. That's the simplest uh, way in which uh, Peter, for example, the, he was asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, they says, uh, What must we do? Peter said, Repent and believe. That's the very simple formula uh, that you repent of your sins and you put your faith and trust in Christ. And when I say put your faith and trust in Christ, you put the faith and trust in his person and his work for what he did on the cross in providing uh, a vicarious atonement and his substitutionary death has become a means of our forgiveness so that his righteousness is also imputed to us when we put our faith and trust in him. And does that mean that I have to join a church? I would say this, that if you're a believer you would want to join a church. Uh, remember that it is not man that created the church. Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he is building his church. And no one can read the book of Acts without seeing that after people believed, they were added to the church. At one time, there were 3,000 added, another time 5,000 added. So clearly there seemed to be some kind of a rostrum where people that were part of the believers became part of that body and later on you'll discover that uh, there were certain things four things that continue believers the apostles doctrine and teaching and breaking of bread etc uh, etc et there was certainly a, a general format that was common within the assembly in the new testament church you're listening to that's truth here on the caribbean radio lighthouse 
It is a live interactive program, and there is still time for you to send in your question or call in with a question tonight. You can call and be put live on the air by calling one 268 462 7420. You can send in your question via WhatsApp or text message to 1-268-782-1454. Or you can go to the Radio Lighthouse, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and right there on your device while you listen to the program, watch behind the scenes, you can comment in the comment section your thoughts or your question or a suggested topic and we will pass that along to Pastor Murphy live on the air as soon as we get it. As we wrap up tonight's episode on stress, what are some of the effects or consequences of stress? Well, uh, there are many, and I just want to quickly uh, mention six of them. Number one is what is commonly called by psychologists and uh, anxiety disorders. And what I mean by that is the inability to control your emotions and respond to the situation. Uh, because it generally involves fear of some kind and worry. So you have what you call panic attacks, uh, etc. But you have this anxiety uh, uh, over the situation, which has to do basically with, with the future. Remember that stress is not anxiety. Anxiety is part of stress. But the, you can have this uh, where you can't control your emotions and it's racing and racing and racing because uh, the future looks bleak and you're always in this tense mode. Uh, the other one is depression. Uh, persistent feeling of helplessness, uh, sapping sense of, of, of self, sagging sense of self-worth, where motivation is gone, vitality is gone, creativity is gone, and you seem to lose interest. And things that once bring you pleasure and used to enjoy, you no longer enjoy those kind of activities. Can a Christian experience depression? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we go into the, the, the Old Testament, uh, you'll find that uh, Elijah was one of those characters that uh, definitely read the Psalms of David why am I soul cast down within me uh, David in the Psalms many many times uh, David was uh, in a state of depression so there's no question about it that depression is one of those things that uh, every Christian uh, can, can um, encounter so when you depress it it really hinders your ability to function daily in life because it takes all the zip and zap out of life the, the other thing Nathan is, is uh, burnout uh, this has to do when you're mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted, quite frankly. And uh, because of that, it's accompanied by self-doubt and feelings of detachment from the world where you're becoming an increasingly negative outlook on life. You're just completely zapped and gone. Uh, another thing is that you, you face is you've got a lot of digestive problems. Um, stress affects the speed at which food moves through your body, your intestines, and this can cause what is called irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease. It can cause, and everybody knows it can cause ulcers, and it can uh, weaken the intestinal barrier and, and as a result, compromise your immune system. So it has effects even on you. And I think all of us know that when you're stressed out, um, you do either you want to eat too much or you just don't have a desire to eat. The other thing is heart disease, uh, chronic stress, uh, because of the the heightened uh, presence of adrenaline and cortisol that cause the increase of blood flow, at least a high blood pressure, uh, can cause hardening of the arteries, and of course uh, this can affect you and cause heart disease. The other thing is obesity. Uh, this again uh, is comes from what is called. Um, 
stress binge eating. As I said, there's some people that lose an interest in eating when they're under stress. There are other people that fill their mouth, and that is the way that they do it. As a result of that, uh, they become very obese in themselves. Uh, and I don't have to tell you that um, how this... Um, the other extreme, of, of course, Nathan, is that when they lose their appetite and don't eat, they become like skeletons, you know, what you might call anorexia where it's just bones with just skin over it, basically. You can reach that. And then stress kills. Don't forget that. It's only the other consequences. Suicide, it can make people violent because they're so irritable. Uh, heart attacks, it can cause stroke. And a lot of people don't may not know this, but one of the major causes of cancer is stress. Hmm. What happens basically that the whole body wears down and it's a fatal final breakdown of the whole body. And uh, the whole thing be, uh, the, becomes long-term attrition of the body so that everything just collapses um, and leading to death. So those are seven of the main consequences of, of, of stress. I'm just looking at an article here online, and it says that a study that was done found that 75% of pastors report being extremely stressed or highly stressed. Pastor, what advice do you have or encouragement do you have to your fellow pastors who are facing stress? Well, it, uh, to me, my, most of my stress comes to when I have to preach. People don't understand that. I am never uh, at ease until Monday morning. Until from Saturday, I would say from Friday until Monday is a time that really is my most difficult period because I don't know how pastors see their ministry. But for me, every time I step in the pulpit, I want to make sure I feed the people. I want to make sure that, to put it another way, I want it to be the best sermon I've ever preached. Not because of my ego, but because I want when people come into God's house, I want that word to be so clear and so simple and so effective that it produces some impact on people. And that carries, I'm preaching for decisions. Not necessarily decisions of people walking down the aisle, but people making decisions in their mind. And that's where a lot of my stress comes from. Uh, I would say to pastors, um, I, depending on where your, your, your major form of stress comes from, um, I would say to you that if you become too stressed out, you become too you become burnout. It doesn't help your ministry. It doesn't help any other any other person. So you're going to have to get a handle on this to find out where where your stressors. What are the things that cause you stress and try to deal with them? Can you delegate some of the responsibilities that you carry the load that you're carrying to somebody else? Uh, can you do that? Uh, if you can do that, well, do it. If if that creates stress for you, do it. Um, but that would be my, my main thing. Look at what your stresses are. See if you can delegate some of that. And um, if it's a matter of your study and you are like me where you are a Saturday uh, person who does everything, finalizes everything on Saturday, if you can't handle that, I would suggest that you try to maybe try to by Friday, you can get it done or whatever. Maybe stretch out your study during, during, during the week. But whatever it is that's causing you, um, you've got to try to deal with it because it doesn't help the congregation. It doesn't help your capacity to communicate with them either. And once you become too stressed out, you lose your energy, you lose your enthusiasm, and that, 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 that actually pans out in the pulpit and pans out in your ministry. So 
for whatever it's worth. Does when a person, whether a pastor, whether a person in the congregation, whether a believer or not a believer, if they are facing stress at the workplace, mm-hmm. does it also affect their home life? Oh, definitely. Uh, most pastors' wives would tell you that, take for example, if you have a business meeting yeah. and you had a real terrible business meeting. I don't know about other pastors, but it affects me for a few days. Uh, my wife is very conscious of it. I'm meditating, I'm thinking. Uh, what could have been said here? What could have been said there? What was this person thinking? What was that person thinking? Uh, it basically, and your children as well. My kids could probably tell you, uh, my son would probably tell me, Daddy, something is wrong. He picks it up. It definitely takes over. I don't care where you are. When you go to work and um, you were given uh, uh, certain uh, figures to reach and you didn't reach those figures, the boss, boss chew you out. Uh, that affects you because it, it attacks yourself or if you go home uh, it's very hard to, you don't want to download it on your wife download it in your family so you keep it in and it sometimes can build up to a point but clearly uh, it's very difficult to face any stressful situation whether at work or church or, or even on the playing field if you have an encounter where you're playing a game and you're as a Christian and something happens maybe you made a mistake or you shouted or a, a past judgment was made and uh, the way you responded all those things bother you and uh, you take it with you you take it home but you can't you, it's not so you can package and leave it at home leave it at work you can't package it it's within you and it's there it's going to come out you're going to see it I recently heard someone say that a believer, his closest friends should be fellow believers. Would you agree with that statement? I, I don't see how it should be otherwise. Uh, what do you communicate with an unsafe person? I mean, other than talk about sports, finances, politics, but you can't talk about spiritual things. You can't really talk about the Bible. You can't talk about uh, your own um, doubts that you may have as a believer or, or issues you're trying to find answers to, I mean, what what answer can he give you? So I would think it is a wise thing that your best friend, uh, your best friend should be believers. Um, I would be surprised if it's otherwise. Now, that doesn't mean, Nathan, that when you become a Christian, you drop all your unsafe friends because you want to win them to the Lord. But there is a degree of intimacy that you have with Christians you you can't have with a person who's not a believer. So even with your own natural brother, you mean that come out of the womb of your mom sometimes you have more in common with a, a believing brother in certain areas than you have with that, that, that brother because uh, don't forget that when we become Christians we become a family we adopt into God's family so we're we brothers and sisters at a different level so I do think it's um, important that people who are Christians uh, make sure that their best friends are within the, the faith We've got about two and a half minutes left in this episode of That's Truth. And I want to finish out with the thought process of, as a believer, how do I balance my priorities between the home, between church, between the workplace? Well, again, you balance your priorities by seeing what the Bible says should be your priorities. And if you read the book of Ephesians and Colossians, it is very, very clear when Paul is giving the order he deals with the home first. He deals with the workplace. Okay? So you can't put your work before your family. And, of course, God should give him the priority. But you can't put church before your family as well. If what if you, you're a pastor? doesn't matter. Okay. If you have don't have a family, you don't have a church. You yeah. don't have a ministry. So you can't. Family is key. And don't forget the first institution God created was what? 
the family. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget that, right? That's very, very significant. Um, I know that many time pastors would tell you that many of them uh, sacrifice uh, their families for the church. And I, what I mean by that, um, I, I don't want to reveal too many personal mm-hmm. things, but I don't go many places. Uh, I'm a home person, quite frankly, and I spend a lot of time doing a lot of reading. So when I when I am um, and I do that because I want to prepare to feed the people. But there are times when I should spend less time that maybe taking a drive. I don't know when last I had a drive to be on anywhere to be honest with you, other than from here home here, yeah. right? Frankly, but again that can that and depending on your wife and depending on your children. Uh, she might be able to cope with that because she understands. But if you have a wife who likes to go out, stuff like that, um, it can affect your home life. So I think that they, you need to be very careful. In fact, but, but the Bible priority is the home, uh, the work. Okay. Of course, the church comes in there, but you don't put church above uh, your family because if you do, as a pastor, you have no family, you have no church, you have no ministry. It's all washed up. If I have to make the cha- the decision between my last waking hours in the day or last waking minutes between spending time in God's Word and spending time with my family, what do I do? That depends. I, I, that's a very, very click one. But I would say to you that I don't see why there necessarily had to be a conflict there. Okay. I think there needs to be a balance in that, that, that regard. I don't think, uh, if I might use an example quickly, uh, there's some people, women who are married to unsafe people, and the husband said to honey, "Stay home with me this t- this Sunday." I can't see why at some point in time, uh, a wife who is married to wouldn't say, "You know what? I don't have to be in church every single Sunday. I spend some time with my husband, we talk with him, we chat." I can see that she's putting her husband before the church. Is that wrong? In a case, depends on her motive and her, on a witness. I, I think we need to look at those things and not think because of this church. We've got to be there because of this church. Are the things more important than just being in church at that point in time? In the last 10 seconds, do you believe with all of your heart that the Bible has the answers for the stress that we're facing? Oh, yes. Uh, and I hope that we come to that where we show that there are biblical solutions to this matter. And you'll find that those solutions are in line with the modern psychology, what they've discovered. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.